Good day, folks, and welcome to another edition of our FX podcast series. Today, I have the pleasure of having our chief economist, Phil Shaw, on the podcast, along with Chris Brandt from our trading desk, as always. Um, I'm really excited to speak with Chris and, and Phil this week because it's been a really interesting week in currency markets. Long live the dollar. Risk aversion is certainly back on. Um, on concerns about Delta and the loss of momentum in the Chinese economy, the FMC minutes released earlier this week also point to tapering being not that far off now, giving the dollar a bit of impetus there. Um, and on the sterling side, the pound has struggled too. UK retail sales disappointed this morning. Um, earlier in the week, we saw softer inflation numbers. Um, and perhaps only the only silver lining was the UK labour market uh, data, which tightened a touch. From a corporate FX risk management p- perspective, though, it's it's been a huge week. Remember, I suppose, remember that song, One Hit Wonder, Phil, you might remember this, called um, uh, Standing Outside a Broken Phone Booth with, with Money in Your Hand by the uh, Primitive Radio Gods in, in the 90s. Okay, now I'm sure a few of our listeners are probably too young to actually know what that actually feels like with the advent of mobile phones. However, in currency markets, well, it's probably how dollar buyers are probably feeling right now with cable being almost in touching distance of 140 at the start of the month. Um, however, it's now trading in the low 136s and, and looks like 135 could be on the cards. Um, needless to say, a fair few of our dollar buyers have been hit on, on the way down. Um, they've, well, they've hit stop losses on the way down rather, whilst uh, others have been kind of layering in outperformance deals. In order to do that, you need to be a certain type of corporate, of course, but these kind of deals look to achieve uh, rates better than the market um, and and uh, can can get you to that magical 140 number or higher, potentially. Um, as for our dollar sellers, well, it's been a bit of a field day, really, um, with exporters taking advantage of the move lower to, to layer in different um, types of deals and, and, and varying guises cover over different tenors. Um, I think that's a wrap from, from me, enough for me anyway for now. So I think we should probably get, get, get stuck into the actual data. So I'd like to bring in Phil now to get his thoughts um, on, on the UK economy and specifically the, the latest releases this week. So the UK retail, number, retail sales numbers rather this morning fell unexpectedly. Um, is this a sign that maybe we, we might be losing a bit of momentum there? What are your thoughts on, on this and, and the UK inflation picture, Phil? Yeah. Hi, Karen. Um, hello, everybody. Quite a lot of data out from the UK over the past week, and certainly yeah, the retail sales gave markets a downside surprise with volumes falling back by two and a half percent on the month. It has to be said, even during the pandemic months over the past year to 15 months, retail sales have been remarkably strong. So um, on that sort of run, one might expect some sort of natural ebbing away of that sequence. Um, but we have had several Uh, downside disappointments from this series over the past three or four months. The other thing to consider is that some of the weakness isn't necessarily reflecting caution on behalf of households. It reflects the end of the restrictions in the wider economy. So what you might be seeing as well is less expenditure on goods and more expenditure on services such as uh, restaurants and other sorts of entertainment, for example. And that's not just a fanciful thought, because if you look at the credit card data coming in from example, for example, Barclay Card, that is pointing to um, an acceleration in services. So our guess is you may well have seen peak growth in in retail sales um, and probably the economy as a whole. But the slowdown is not as marked as those raw numbers would would indicate. The other things perhaps to summarise, we've seen this week a continued tightening of the labour market with 
the unemployment numbers and employment numbers showing strength. Um, I wouldn't get fooled too much by the inflation figures, which um, fell back from two and a half percent to two percent in July. And that reduction was overwhelmingly because of what happened last year, the end of the first lockdown, retailers ceasing discounts and raising their margins again. So you're comparing a level of prices with a level of prices that rose fairly sharply 12 months previously. The short term trend is certainly for inflation to carry on rising. We're not convinced that we're going to get to 4% for six months, as the Bank of England is saying. But nonetheless, the, the, the trend is certainly up. And Chris, what about your side? Any, any thoughts on the UK data this week? Yeah, I think the general weakness theme that's been going on has been what's impacting the market rather than one individual data point. I think it's just a few of these collected together. I guess people are starting to worry if it is the Delta variant that is causing concerns. Um, are people worried? And that's why they're not spending as much on big ticket items. But I think, as Phil said, I think it's just a shift. Um, I know from my personal experience, basically, I've been going to gigs and going to football matches and going to restaurants, and this is where I'm spending my money at the moment. So I can't imagine I'm too dissimilar to many other people out there. So I beg to differ. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it is seems a little bit gloomier from where it was previously. And I think there was a certain expectation that it was going to be back of a bang everything's open now everything's going like you know full guns full steam ahead um but i think what it also does it takes the pressure off the bank of england a little bit so i think there's a combination of that the, the weaker days and the less pressure on the bank of england um but i would say it has been mainly a dollar driver uh, that's been driving this market over the last few days at least certainly um felt like that and um you know the the, the morning after the fam MC minutes were released and we saw some dollar strength and it's kicked on since then. Um, what are your thoughts on the FOMC, um, Phil? And um, just the, 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 the kind of general theme from that was that tapering is, is, is probably imminent. Certainly not far away. The FOMC minutes really were saying that the majority of members on the committee uh, believe that um, it would be ready to taper the QE program or reduce the purchases towards zero by the end of the year. So the question is really exactly when the FOMC decides to bite that bullet and the pace at which they're going to cease those purchases. And Jay Powell, the chair of the Fed, isn't in a hurry. And indeed, our feeling is that the majority of the FOMC will want to wait until the unemployment benefits expire in September simply to judge whether halting the QE programme is, is the correct thing to do. I suspect that it will be, but we're not going to see that tapering occur until right at the end of the year, rather than the, the next meeting in September. On what's driving markets, I, I totally agree with Chris here. The FOMC minutes weren't really too much of a surprise. That is, is very much the direction of travel of the Fed at the moment. And really the move that we've seen in the dollar reflects a number of things put together, including fears about the extent to which we've seen peak growth in, in the global economy and also um, it, it, its precise descent, i.e. how quickly it's decelerating. Um, so, again, just in terms of the actual taper itself, then are you still, um, have you still got the house view for uh, a December taper or is that shifted? Yeah, very much December. Okay. 
it's um no reason to expect um Dr. Powell to, to change his mind quickly. Um, you know, what, what is interesting, which I alluded to earlier, is that um, how quickly the Fed actually completely stops, i.e. how sharp, if you like, the taper is. In At the end of the, the, the previous cycle, the taper took a year. Uh, we think it's going to be quicker than that. The Fed's likely to cease purchases over a period of nine months and perhaps six. And what that does is that given that the Fed doesn't want to be tapering its QE program at the same point when it's raising rates, is that it gives them more flexibility to raise interest rates. They can actually begin to do that if appropriate at an earlier stage because it will have finished its QE program. Um, what, what I do find interesting, though, is that this is obviously all happening at a time where we've we've had um, concerns about Delta, certainly in the States and in the rest of the world. We've seen that, you know, Australia, New Zealand have extended lockdowns and so forth. Um, so you've got you've got you know increasing cases out in the States. We also said had some pretty soft data out this week. You know, the Mich Michigan consumer sentiment uh, figures dropped, I think, to the lowest level since 2011. Um, the NHB um, housing figures were at 13 month low and, and retail sales in the States we're also off. So is there, you know, just from a pure from data perspective, um, what are you what are you guys' thoughts on that? Certainly in the States, the slowdown which we've witnessed in, for example, retail sales is partly due to the Delta variants. I'm, I'm more cynical that that's the case in the UK. But if you look at the pattern of infections in the United States, then they're very much on a sharp upward trend. And, and indeed, various states have reimposed measures such as mask wearing as well. And so the situation is fundamentally more difficult there. But once those cases are brought under control, then there's, there's little doubt in our minds that you know, those if those are the reasons why spending has slowed down, that we'll see expenditure get reignited again. And fundamentally, the US is, is, is still pretty strong. It's a matter of trying to gauge exactly what the underlying slowdown is. And because we've been at very racy levels in terms of economic growth, not just in the States, but places such as the UK and the rest of Europe generally, that, that there are a wide range of outcomes, but we're not particularly concerned about a hard landing in the global economy. And what about you, Chris? Is, uh, is the kind of theme generally dollar, dollar weakness, um, maybe not overly focusing on the data, but more to do with risk aversion in general? Um, yes, largely. I mean, I think one of the things I've been looking at is obviously the iron ore price. And on Thursday, we've had some big moves. I think Thursday dropped like 14%. And obviously, that's a good barometer between you know um, how much demand there's going to be out of China. Um, so it's quite a, kind of a good bellwether uh, for us to look at. And that was kind of a big move on like Wednesday, Thursday. We've seen iron ore drop quite a lot. And that coincided with this risk off move as well. So yes, it's Delta worries to an extent. The lockdowns, the um, maybe putting off some central banks uh, hiking rates a bit as, as quickly as they would do. Um, added with this is basically the China scene having less demand it all sort of combines at the same time, but also at a time when positioning was, uh, you know, instead of certainly sterling dollars, it was already quite long. So you have seen a bit of a flush out of the positions on the back of this. So it, could it be exaggerating the move slightly? Yes, but there could still be a little bit further to go. Um, I suppose that leads me on to um, what, what kind of lies ahead. Um, we, we've obviously had 
um, some some talk this week about the effect of potentially Afghanistan on on, on global markets. That seems to have not really impacted too much. Um, what what about Scotland as well, Phil? I mean, that's that's obviously hit the headlines uh, in the last day or two. Yes, absolutely. It, it, it's not at all surprising, of course, that Afghanistan is making all the headlines. But as you say, it's not really having a material impact on on most financial markets. Same with Scotland. The, the news has actually um, come through over the past 24 hours that um, an alliance has been forged between the Scottish National Party and the Green Party in the Scottish Parliament at Holyrood. And that gives that bloc a majority and the potential to pass a bill to um, hold a second independence referendum. Now, of course, Westminster is going to turn around and say, you've got no legal right to do this. And even if you do, it's not going to be recognised, which suggests quite a lot of wrangling um, before um, a referendum is held, if there is one. But yeah, we do expect this to become a more prominent feature of the UK landscape. And, you know, if that is the case, then it could well begin to rattle sterling investors somewhat as well, simply because there would be then a risk that uh, Scotland votes um, to leave the United Kingdom and we begin to see the, the, the breakup of the UK. Now, that point might be quite some way off and indeed it might not happen. But of course, foreign exchange markets are all about looking at risks and assessing them. And with that perhaps becoming a more prominent feature of the UK landscape in the coming weeks and months. That's something to watch out for. Very interesting indeed. Um, I think also the the big bit of news next week or the thing to look out for must be Jackson Hole and and Fed Chair Powell's uh, speech there. Probably be a very good barometer of when the timing of tapering will occur. Um, Is is that is anything else that I've, I've missed off, Chris, from your side? Uh, no, that is definitely the main event that we're looking out for. Um, yeah, it's been a focus for a while. There's always been a lot of speculation that they'll use this point to signal policy. Um, it might be a bit too soon for such a strong signal, I think. I think it feels like the latter end of the year is probably when we're likely to taper. You've had many Fed speakers already say that they want to see a few more decent jobs data reports of a few good NFPs before they make that decision. So... I think maybe the Jackson Hole was coming a little bit too soon to give such a strong policy message. So you might have a case where the market might be slightly disappointed in what's said. So it will be the main focus and it'll probably be all the headlines next week, I believe. Okay. Um, just just uh, finally from you, Chris, in, in terms of technicals, I mean, obviously we've, we've, we've seen some big movement in sterling dollars, some movement in sterling euro, and uh, we've even got uh, euro dollar down in the 116s. Things that things are moving, and they they kind of bring bring into line different levels of uh, technicals for support levels and, and resistance levels. What are what are the key ones that are you watch you guys are watching out for at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of started on Tuesday when we broke the two hundred day moving average. That was kind of like the first point where we started getting quite heavy, and all the other bits of news and data since have basically helped weigh on the pound. Um, sterling dollar, we've already broken a few, a few levels, but the next one really is one thirty five seventy. Um, that was around the July low. Um, beyond that, 134.80. Um, that could be the, the stronger support level, 134.80. I think it might seem like quite far away at the moment, but um, you know, 140 was quite close a few weeks ago. So um, they're certainly the downside risk for us at the moment. In terms of sterling euro, we're looking really around the 116 and then 115.30 as our major support levels. Um, it does feel like 
the the direction is still continuing that way. I think we might even actually break through 136 today. We're trading around 136.06 at the moment. So I think it's close. It's, there's no bounce back. Any kind of bounce, bounce is like a dead cat bounce at the moment. So still feels quite heavy to us. Great. Um, I think that's probably time to to try and wrap things up then. Um, you know, certainly last week I ended the podcast or the last podcast rather by getting Chris's thoughts as a Spurs fan on uh, on on the football. Um, the Premiership season's underway now. I'm not going to talk too much and not give him the, the last word given Arsenal lost to Brentford um, and Spurs beat City on the opening weekend. So I'll leave it to you, Phil. You're, you're a Chelsea fan. You're, you're taking on uh, my team, the Gunners at the Emirates. Uh, what's your prediction? Indeed. Well, hopeful as ever, of course. I'm, I'd be going for a Chelsea win, but uh, it'll be the, the first Chelsea game, we hope, with Romelu Lukaku playing again. And um, certainly a striker that can suck the ball away, something Chelsea were lacking last season, despite it being a, a very good season for the Blues. So uh, fingers crossed and, you know, um, hope it's a good game. Great stuff. And uh, I, I hope it's a good game too. And I will happily take a draw the way that the Gunners are playing right now. But uh, on that note, everyone, it's uh, time for us to, to leave you. So have a, a, a good um, it's a weekend. Well, we're recording this on a Friday, whether you listen to this on a Friday or not, but all, all the best for the weekend and we'll catch up soon. Cheers, everybody. Bye.